You're listening to Kaniac Sessions with Griff and A.B. Your spot for everything Carolina Hurricanes. Hello out there, Kaniac Nation. Thanks for joining us again on session three of Kaniac Sessions. I'm Griff, that's AB, and today we're going into part two of our Examining the Lineup series. Today we will get into detail on our current defensemen. And uh, AB, I do believe these guys are going to be something special this year. But before we get into that, let's talk about a couple housekeeping items. Starting with none other than the news that dropped today as of recording, the Eric Carlson trade. A.B., you want to walk us through that? Eric Carlson is officially a Pittsburgh Penguin. Carlson was traded to Pittsburgh along with two other forwards and a 2026 third-round pick. San Jose received a 2024 first-rounder along with Mikel Gronlin, Jan Ruda, and Mike Hoffman. Montreal received a 2025 second-rounder with Jeff Petrie, Casey DeSmith, and another forward. We had heard so much about Eric Carlson once free agency happened, and even before free agency. We knew that Carlson was going to be traded. Carolina was rumored. Pittsburgh was rumored. Seattle was thrown in there. Toronto was thrown in there. But it really came down to Carolina and Pittsburgh. After the D'Angelo signing happened, that put the nail in the coffin for Pittsburgh to finally pull the trigger on a deal to send Eric Carlson to Pittsburgh. Yeah, and, you know, I I really do believe that the Tony D'Angelo signing on Carolina's part was, you know, we thought that that was the indicator that they may be out, and I think that's what is coming to light with this. But I'm just glad it's finally done. All the speculation and wondering and hoping and this and that. But, you know, now that we're on the backside of it, I kind of look back on it and I think, uh, you know, and we may disagree on this, but I'm almost kind of glad that he didn't end up in Carolina um, because I just think that it's it's super crowded. And, you know, we haven't even figured out our defense yet. I I don't think we're done. Uh, I think somebody's moving out. But, you know, As far as this trade for Pittsburgh goes, you know, if you're a Pittsburgh fan, you're obviously excited, but you'd be even more excited if this was like 2014 or 2015. Could you imagine that lineup back then? But uh, yeah, I I just, you know, I think that Pittsburgh may be a playoff team. Um, No. No. I mean, well, I'll tell you, I'll walk you down who I think is going to, how the Metro is going to finish in a minute, but you know, even if they're not a playoff team or even if they are a playoff team, goaltending is the, the the biggest weakness. And that was the the weakness before today. And now you send out Casey DeSmith who has played well over the past couple of years dealing with Tristan Jari's injuries. So now Pittsburgh's left with Tristan Jari and Alex Nedeljkovic, obviously running as a backup. And to me, there are glaring holes in their goaltending. And the 
they got even weaker in that area. So, you know, does this help them? Maybe. Signing EK to Pittsburgh, their best players are three to four years out of retiring. Yeah. The young core isn't there. You don't have deep prospects. You have Eric Carlson, who was playing for San Jose. San Jose didn't have anybody on their team. He delivered, had 100-plus points. You have Cindy Crosby, who is one of the best centers of all time, puts up consistent numbers. You have Evgeny Malkin. You have Chris Letang. You have Eric Carlson now. The only young guy that stands out on your team is Jake Getzel. And like you said, going back to goalies, Tristan Jari is your only goaltender. And we don't even know if he's going to be there all year. No. And I wouldn't trust him to lead my team into the playoffs. And, you know, a lot of this, too, is built on the assumption that Eric Carlson is going to produce another 100-point season. I don't think it's going to happen. I think I think this past season was an anomaly. I think – and, I mean, maybe maybe he will, but I just don't see – I don't see 100 points out of Eric Carlson this year. Um, he may put up 70. He may put up 80. But he is not the piece that's going to put Pittsburgh over the hump into contender status, in my opinion. Absolutely not. Every Stanley Cup team has depth. You have a great top three line. You have two quality defensemen. After that, you have nobody. Maybe you have Riley Smith, who was acquired from Vegas. But that bottom six isn't there. You're not going to ride that team to a Stanley Cup run because, yeah, you have a great top line. You have two great defensemen. But what if they're not on the ice? They're going to get smoked by deeper teams. And you have Tristan Jari, who, like you said, is probably not going to be there for the whole season. It doesn't make sense, but I also understand why Pittsburgh did what they did. Yeah, it's still Eric Carlson at the end of the day. Um, but it looks like, you know, it could it could wind up being the Ned show in Pittsburgh this year, depending on uh, Tristan Jari's health. But enough of that. Uh, it's not Carolina-related anymore now that it's dropped. Uh an area I want to cover or a topic I want to cover before we move on to talking about our defensemen, there was an interview that came out over the last week with David Glenn, the David Glenn show on NC sports network or something of the like. Um, and it was an interview with Rod Brindamore and they discussed a lot of things. They discussed the team kind of Rod Brindamore's father and his family and at the end of that interview David Glenn kind of touched on the fact that Rod Brindamore is entering the final year of his current contract that pays him 1.8 million dollars on the season you know if you you know I listened to the whole interview and 
I read the article that accompanied the video. And at the surface, and it, when you read that headline or you read that short synopsis, it really kind of makes you mad if you are a Canes fan or a Rod Brindamore fan or, or whatever. The article headline said, quoting Rod Brindamore himself, it's not going to be an easy negotiation. So when you read that headline and you read the short synopsis, at the surface, it looks like there is an issue between Rod Brindamore and Tom Dundon trying to get a new contract. And what I see in that headline is a hook. That is something to grab the reader's attention and get them to read the article and watch the interview. But I encourage you, if you haven't watched it, to go into it because that's not what this is about. If you listen to it, Rod Brendamore said that in a joking manner. He prefaces that with the fact that Tom Dundon is a businessman and Tom Dundon will do whatever he can to get to save a nickel, right? That's just that's just standard business. But if you listen to these guys talk, if you listen to Rod Brendamore talk about his owner and his general manager, even at that, the guy has a ton of respect. You know, he loves the situation he's in. He goes on to talk about how he gets the opportunity to coach at home. He has a lot of control over the decisions. He's involved in the decisions. Uh, he's always consulted. And he he just loves the situation that he's in. He loves the fact that Tom spins to the cap, always trying to make the team better. This is not an issue. If you are a Canes fan and you do not expect Rod Brendamore to be the coach of the Canes moving forward, then you should go back, read the articles from years past, and understand where this guy's heart is at. It's right here. And if you are a, a fan of an opposing team that happens to be listening to this, no chance you're getting it. I've seen a lot of speculation, a lot of comments on Twitter or X or whatever we call it nowadays <laughs> saying, oh, get Rod Brendamore, get Rod Brendamore. It's not going to happen. He is going to coach in Carolina until he's finished coaching. When he's finished, that's going to be it. And sorry I had to go on that rant, but I just hate the fact that people try to paint this picture of anything other than a great relationship going in, going on in our front office and our coaching staff. What you just said was exactly what every Hurricanes fan knows. Rod's not going anywhere. He has nothing to prove. Rod has taken this team from bottom of the league to five straight years in the playoffs, two Eastern Conference Finals appearances, and six playoff series wins. You're not going to see Rod Brindamore pack up all of his stuff, move across the United States or Canada or wherever it is for a coaching career to perhaps win a Stanley Cup. He's done that. He's done that for Carolina. He wants to do that again for Carolina. That's right. Tom Dundon and Don Waddell know that he is going to be the coach of the Carolina Hurricanes until he decides to stop coaching. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, 
you know, Rod goes on in that interview to talk about, you know, he doesn't want to sell himself short. He doesn't want to show his hand, you know, but the the negotiation is going to happen and it may not be easy. It's never easy when you're talking money, but it's going to get done. And Rod is going to be paid fair one way or another. And you got to understand not everybody knows what happens behind closed doors in that locker room and in that front office. And, you know, the situation that he has, he loves it. And that's worth something to him. And he's, he's on record saying that. So, you know, he's going to get paid. He's going to be paid well, but it's not all about the money to him. No, if you're a Canes fan, do not worry. Rod Brendamore is not going anywhere. He is here to stay. He is the head coach of this team. Everyone loves him from the fan base to management to the players. Everybody loves playing for Rod Brendamore. You aren't just going to kick Rod Brendamore out because he's asking for too much money. Rod is a Carolina Hurricane. He is the embodiment of a Carolina Hurricane. He has his jersey in the rafters. Rod is here to stay. He's not going anywhere. Any other fan of a different team listening to this, I'm sorry. Your dreams are getting crushed. He is not going anywhere. That's right. And Philly wants him so bad. They they love him <laughs> up there too. They want him so bad. Look what they're stuck with, right? But That's right. Um, real quick, last point on this I'll make is, I don't believe Sebastian Ajo signs an eight-year contract extension based on partially who his head coach is if he thinks there is any chance that he will play under a different head coach for the next, well, for the foreseeable future. 100%. What goes into players signing with a team, you don't look all in at the talent on the roster. You also look at the coach, you look at the management, you look at the fan base. Sebastian Ajo would not sign a contract for eight years to stay in Carolina with a coach who is mediocre. Rod Brindamore is one of the best coaches in the NHL. The free agents that came in this year, Orloff and Bunting, Bunting even said, Rod Brindamore called him during free agency, and that meant a lot to him. That shows the impact that Rod has on these players. Sebastian signing that eight-year deal is not based on past records, past players. It's about coaching. It's about the team now. It's about the fan base. It's about management. AB, I think we beat that horse dead. So, um, but I feel better. Do you? Hundred percent. Good. I mean, I'll Good. kick it. I'll kick the horse <laughs> as much as I can. Right on. All right. Hey, look. So let's get into the defense. Right. This is my favorite topic to talk about this team. So let's start with how we see our defense stacking up as currently listed, assuming. Everybody that's on our current roster is going to stay there, assuming no trades are going to happen. If we enter opening night with the current defenseman on the roster, let's talk about how we see them lining up. And um, let's let's let you go first. Let me hear what you think. Where, how do you think our defensive pairs look? 
this is the best defense in the NHL. This is the best defense in Carolina Hurricanes history. If everything stays the same, even if we move pieces out, Pesci's been rumored to be traded. You've heard Shea. This defense is the best defensive core in the NHL. You have Burns, you have D'Angelo, you have Shea, you have Orloff, you have Pesci, you have Slavin, you have Chatfield. If we look at numbers last year, Burns, the alpha male of our species, 82 games played, 18 goals, 43 assists, 61 points. Playoffs, played all 15 games, 2 goals, 7 assists, 9 points. D'Angelo only played 70 games. But he had 42 points, 11 goals, 31 assists. And Philadelphia, obviously, continuing to not make the playoffs. Shea, 81 games played, 18 goals, 20 assists, 38 points. In the playoffs, he played all 15 games, only had one goal, three assists, total of four points. You look at Orlov. He played 66 games last year between Washington and Boston. Seven goals, 29 assists, 31 points. In the seven games he played with Boston, he had eight assists with a total of eight points. Pesci, 82 games played last year. Five goals, 25 assists, 30 points. He played all 15 games. Two goals, four assists, six points. Slavin only played 76. Most of that was due to injury. Seven goals, 20 assists. 27 points, played all 15 games, two goals, four assists, six points. Chatfield surprised a lot of people. 78 games played, six goals, eight assists, 14 points, played all 15 games, a goal, three assists, four points. Reading that whole stat line, that just shows how deep this defensive core is. You bring in Orloff, you bring in D'Angelo, who played great with Carolina when he was here. This defense is the best defensive core in the NHL. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, if if you want to take the stats a little bit further, you know, I'm not a big plus-minus guy. Um maybe a little bit more for the defense than the, than the forwards. But if you just look at it, Brent Burns was a plus 19 on the season. Jacob Slavin was a plus 18. Dmitry Orlov, again with the Caps and the Bruins, was a plus 12. Brett Pesci last year was a plus 11. Brady Shea, plus 7. Jalen Chatfield was a plus 23. Every single one of those defensemen is a plus. Yes, they were on a great team that finished second in the NHL in points. But even still, to have every defenseman on your roster coming back in a plus is saying something. Slavin, obviously, is going to have a great plus minus if you want to go into the plus minus, like you said. Slavin is one of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL has an offensive side to his game. You have Burns, who doesn't age, played phenomenal last year. Bring in Orloff. When he is healthy and when he plays, 
He is phenomenal. Pesci, solid on defense, doesn't have the offensive side as much as guys like Burns and Orloff. Shea, career high, 18 goals. Some forwards don't even score 18 goals. That's right. D'Angelo, coming back, played phenomenal for us, and he played really well last year. But then you have Chatfield. This defense is going to be hard to stop, to get through, to stop on offense. It doesn't get much better than that. This is a defense where you go into a video game and you trade for all of these defensemen to have a stacked defensive core. I mean, yeah. this is it's not realistic, but the Hurricanes have it. Yeah, I don't know how they afford it. Wow, it's it's wild. Um, but I mean, we know what our top line, our top pair is going to be: Jacob Slavin and Brent Burns. I mean, I'm assuming you know it could always change. Who knows what Rod's going to do? Why change it? Why change? Yeah, it? yeah, it worked. I mean, I mean, you know, like you said, Jacob Slavin is the best defensive defenseman in the NHL for my money. Um, Brent Burns. You know, he's he's 38. We have Doesn't him, matter. So, Doesn't matter. Yeah. He's the alpha male of our species. <laughs> Fair. He's got two, he's got two more years remaining on his contract. Um, last year, you know, that he was off, he kind of got off to a slow start. Um, but you know, learning the system, learning how to play with Slavin, and you kind of feel like, you know, if weren't if it weren't for that slow start last year, his point totals might have been even higher. So this year coming back, playing again with Slavin, you know, they've got a whole year under their belt. You know, I think he could have even more points. And I think, you know, it it could be, you know, I don't I don't remember where he finished in the Norris voting this year, but I know he was in I believe he was top ten. He got a um, fifth place vote. I that's think. right. That's right. So, you know, he could be even higher. He could he could get a couple top three Norris votes. Brent Burns is like fine wine. He gets better with age. You saw it last year. You said he had that slow start. And once he had that overtime goal in Philadelphia, a switch flipped. That top yeah. line isn't going to change. Slavin and Burns, one of the best defensive pairs in the NHL, don't change anything. However, you're looking at the second and the third defensive pair, and that's where things get tricky. Yeah, I uh, I don't really know kind of how to put these pairs together. You, you've you got, to, to be honest, you've got six defensemen. You could argue seven defensemen on this team that could play top pair on most teams in the NHL. But, you know, for the sake of argument, I have Dmitry Orlov and Brett Pesci playing second pair. I think if Pesci stays with the team, I think that's what we'll see. Um, you know, Dmitry Orlov coming in off a good year last year. He's 32 years old. We've got him here for the next two years. I'm so excited to see him play uh, in a cane sweater. Um, Brett Pesci, 
28 years old. Like I said, there's trade special speculation all around him. He's battled some injuries in the past. Uh, his shoulder has bothered him historically. And you kind of worry. You see him go down or you see him take a hit. The first thought is, is he okay? Is his shoulder okay? You know, but when he's healthy, he is also one of the better defenders in the NHL. Brett Pesci, when he is healthy, is a great defensive defenseman. Has a little bit of offensive upside, but not as much as Jacob Slavin. Brady Shea doesn't have a defensive side to his game. I'll give him credit. He makes phenomenal plays. He's great offensively. But you're not paying Orloff over $7 million to play on the third line. You're bringing Orloff in to produce. And he's not going on the third line. If you keep Brett Pesci, you put him with Dmitry Orloff. You bump Brady Shea down with Jalen Chatfield. Brett Pesci, if he stays in Carolina, needs a new line mate like Dmitry Orloff. Fresh yeah. start. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I still expect Brett Pesci to be moved, and I expect Tony D'Angelo to bump up and play that second pair with Dmitry Orlov. I could be wrong. That's just my personal thoughts. Uh, but, you know, like we talked about, I think it was in session one, we talked about kind of how we thought the defensive pairs would work. But, um, you know, I think D'Angelo and Orlov would be a great pair, pair as well. Looking at what that second pair could be, um, you got to be pretty excited about it. Um, last thoughts on that second pair? It's like you said, that second pair, Dmitry Orlov is on the left side. You don't sign D'Angelo for over a million dollars to be an extra. He's going to be in that defensive core. So if you move Brett Pesci out, you put D'Angelo on the second defensive pairing and you have Chatfield and you have Shea. And even still, it's the best defensive core in the NHL. Yeah. And assuming, you know, if if Pesci stays, you've gonna you're gonna have a, a a solid defenseman as your healthy extra. If we look at it like that and we put Shea and Chatfield on the third pair, now you've got Tony D'Angelo and Dylan Coglin as two extras. You know, is this is this a year we play seven defensemen and uh, eleven forwards? I, I I don't know. No, absolutely not. It was a joke. you 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 can't. If you were to put Shea and D'Angelo on a line, offensively they'd be great, but defensively it would be the biggest liability. So, having Orloff and D'Angelo on that second line if Brett Pesci gets traded. You also have Shea on the third line with Chatfield, who was a defensive defenseman. So that balances everything out. You have 
on each defensive pairing, an offensive defenseman and a defensive defenseman. That's right. And Jalen Chatfield, like I'm a huge Chatty fan, right? This guy is such a great skater. He's so fast. Uh, he's got great recovery that kind of minimizes his mistakes. And, you know, he's he's one of the better skaters on the team, if not the best skater on the team. Just watching him there and, and the way he skates and his ability is just off the charts. It's so much fun to watch. And, you know, the guy's just a great defender. And, and unfortunately, you know, after this year, he's a UFA. So if I'm Don Waddell, if I'm Tom Dundon, I'm getting this guy locked up because if we don't lock him up, somebody else is. If you see Jalen Chatfield, Anytime he's on the ice, you can always see where he is. He is always involved. If you're at a game live, he is all over the ice. He is in the deep areas. He is back. He is towards the net. It is hard to miss Jalen Chatfield when he is on the ice. If you're Don Waddell and you're Tom Dundon, you're obviously going to re-sign Jalen Chatfield. Lock him up for three years, maybe more. Keep Jalen Chatfield on your team. There is no reason why he should not be a part of this defensive core. Yeah, he's 27 years old currently. And, um, you know, he's, I think he's got, you know, I think you, I think you sign him for five, like maybe four years, five years. Um, you sign you know, him for that long, five years? I would. Yeah, I would. I'd would sign him for five years and kind of, you know, not a not a huge number, you know, not a huge salary. If you sign him right now, I think you could you might be able to get him for, you know, anywhere from maybe two point five to three point five range. Three point five, two point five. Well, OK. All right. Maybe I'm okay. you know top top end. I think he. I think you could I think two point five is a fair number for Jalen Chatfield. 3.5 maybe at the top end, maybe if you bring him with less term. But if you sign him for five years at a 2.5, I think that's great value for both sides. This is why we're not general managers, because we have totally different price points, and all fans have totally different price points. What do you think? If I, if I were to sign Jalen Chatfield, I would at most pay him $2 million. I would pay him $2 million at most because he's not Brett Burns or Jacob Slavin or Dmitry Orloff. He's a great, he's a Jalen Chatfield is a great player. I love Jalen Chatfield. Mm -hmm. If I were in Waddell's shoes, I wouldn't go over $3 million. But, this is why I'm not a general manager. This yeah. is why we have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, my personal, the way I view Jalen Chatfield personally may be higher than that of, you know, the NHL or GMs across the league. I don't know. I just, I hold the guy very high and, you know, I think he's, I think he could play. I think he could play in your top four. And hmm. I think that 
you know, not only do I and, and I not only do I think he can play in our top four, I've seen him play in our top four last year, and he played phenomenal, in my opinion. Um, and I think getting a guy that could play in your top four over the next, you know, maybe not this season, next season, but when we talk about the contracts expiring for Brent Burns and Dmitry Orlov and, you know, de- depending upon what happens with Brady Shea and Brett Pesci after this year, you know, we start looking at, you know, Nikishin possibly coming over from the KHL, Scott Moore. Please, up please, from- please, 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 Nikishin, please. Yeah. Well, yeah, he'll be over here eventually. Um, but, you know, when that time comes in a couple of years, you, you know, we're looking at Nikish and Morrow, Slavin, you have to assume is going to be here beyond his current contract. And, you know, how is our defense shaping up? I think that you could be looking at a top four of Nikishin, Morrow, Chatfield, and Slavin. And then you kind of, you know, you bring in a couple additional pieces to play on your third pair. You know, who knows what that is? Or maybe you bring in another um, – a better defender to play in your top four and, and, you know, he can bump down. But I think if you lock him up for five, four or five years at, at two to two and a half, maybe a little bit more depending on the term and, and, and how his season progresses this year, I think you have a guy that can play in your top four at a reasonable price. I agree with him playing on the top four, but I, if we were to lock him up for, four to five years, I wouldn't expect him to go to the top four until late year three or four. Maybe, maybe. So we touched on, we touched on everybody we think are going to be in our top six, touched on D'Angelo who still could be one of our top six. Poor Coglin. Yeah, and then there's Dylan Coughlin. Um, this poor guy, three points on the year. He played 17 games. Uh, he was qualified as a restricted free agent this year for one year. I believe it was 850k. Next year he'll be a restricted free agent again, so he will be due a qualifying qualifying offer again after this season. You know he he came in last year via the Pacioretty trade from Vegas. And, you know, I didn't know much about the guy when he came in, but I know that I watched him in preseason and I thought, wow, this guy really could develop into something. He had a great preseason. He had a great training camp. Uh, He played very well in those preseason games. But, you know, you kind of got to take that with a grain of salt. It is the preseason. And then none of that just none of that translated into the regular season. You know, you you saw his skating ability was a sore thumb. Um, he had a he has a great shot. I mean, he's got a great shot, but you can't just get by on your shooting ability if you can't skate. Uh, I did I did feel like toward the end of the regular season he got some he got some action toward the end. I don't remember if it was due to injury or, or, or what it was. I don't remember why he drew in, but he did have some, some bright spots toward the end of the season where I kind of sat back and I thought, okay, Dylan Coughlin may be able to turn into something. You know, he's only 25 years old. We didn't see him in the playoffs at all, but 
you know, I the the fact that they qualified him has kind of grown on me because if you give him this year to sit in that room with the guys that make up this defense, what better group is there to learn from than the group of guys that we have in Carolina? And, you know, give him another year, you know, he can play maybe, maybe 17, 18 games is good again. He's good. He's there for depth. Let him sit in this system another year. Then you qualify him again and just see what happens. No, I agree. When I saw Coglin in the preseason, you saw his shot. He looked phenomenal, very good offensively. But when we saw him in the regular season, there were always multiple times during the game where you could point out and say, why was he doing that? Yeah. That's defensively. Offensively, great. But like you said, learn from the best defensive core in the NHL. Give him a short sample size. Have him learn. Sign him again next year. And Coglin can draw in to that defensive core later down the line. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, if if you look at if you look at Jalen Chatfield, he was kind of a late bloomer as well. I mean, he, you know, I, I know he did a stint with Vancouver. He got some NHL time there. Um, but for the most part, Jalen Chatfield spent his his time in the a- AHL. And then he comes to Carolina, they kind of realize what they had in, in Chatfield, and now he is a full-time NHLer. And, you know, maybe the same thing, maybe the same scenario could happen with Coglin. I don't know. Um, but I know he's still young and he still has potential. If he puts in the work, if he works on his skating, if he works on his defense a little more, um, you know, we could see a full-time NHLer here in the next year or two. No, I agree. Well, before we jump off here, maybe we should just, maybe we should just go down our, uh, defenseman and kind of give kind of like we did in session two, we give our predictions for, um, their points, goals, and assists, and 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 what we think. So let's start with let's start with Jacob Slavin. Um, what do you? What is your prediction for him? If I, it's a lot harder with defensemen compared to forwards. I would say seven goals, more assists for Jacob Slavin this year. What do you got? Yeah, I uh I need Jacob Slavin to defend. I need him to be the human eraser that he is. But, you know, anything he can pitch in offensively is just you know, that helps you out, right? So, he had 7 goals this year. I would say I'm going to say 8 goals. We'll gotta, say got to up me. That's all right. <laughs> I say 22 assists, 30 points even. Very uh, realistic. I'm fine with that. Yeah. So Brent Burns, he ran our first power play this past season. A lot of his, I wouldn't say a lot of, but a majority of his assists weren't necessarily on the power play. He was very good at five on five. But what's your prediction for Brent Burns? 
Burns, I would say with this defensive core, I'd bump him down to 16 goals and I'd bring him up to 48 assists. 15 and 48. Those are pretty solid numbers. I, uh, I talked earlier about how Brent Burns got off to a slow start last year and how I thought that if he didn't get off to that slow start, that he would increase or he would have increased his point total last year. So given the assumption that he will not get off to a slow start this year, I'm going to up his goals to 21. I'm going to up his assist to 45. So that's what I've got for Brent Burns. I think he still runs power play one initially and D'Angelo and or Orlov on power play two. Speaking of Orlov, he's up next. What are you what are your predictions for Dmitry Orlov? So he played 66 games last year. If he has more games this year with Carolina, I'd put him at 10 and I'd bump his assist to 33, 34. Okay. Um, hmm. My assumption is Dmitry Orlov will play with Tony D'Angelo. If he does, I think Tony D'Angelo will drive a lot of the offense when they're on the ice. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep Dmitry Orlov at seven goals and up his assist just one to 30. So a 37-point guy. I'm going to keep him at the same. So moving on. So Brady Shea had a career year last year with 18 goals, 20 assists, 38 points. Surely he won't hit 18 again. What do you think? I'd bump Shea down to 13, and I'd say bump his assist down to 17. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. If he's playing third pair, you know, he's maybe the minutes between the three pairs of defensemen are, are are similar just because you have the ability to kind of rest a little bit. But assuming that third pair plays less than he played last year, I would also bump his goals down to 11 goals, we'll say 18 assists, 29 points for Brady Shea is what I've got. Jalen Chatfield. We've talked a lot about Jalen Chatfield today. Last year, six goals, eight assists for 14 points. What do you think for Jalen? I honestly like where he's at. I think where he's at right now, six goals, eight assists. I I think I like him where he is right now. Okay. Well, I'm also, again, going to disagree with you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... Uh, last year, oh man, I felt like it took forever for him to find the net for the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember shot after shot after shot, just, you know, miraculous save or goalie stands on his head or whatever it is. And I just felt like if he could have just had a little bit of luck on his side, he would have produced a little bit more. So I'm going to up his goals. I'm going to up him to nine goals say he gets an extra three some of those that got saved last year are going to find the back of the net this year so nine goals 10 assists all right now this one's going to be tough tony d'angelo 
Last year at Philadelphia, 11 goals, 31 assists for 42 points, which is a solid year. I'm glad you're going first on this one. Let's hear it. Depending on when Brett Pesci gets traded, I'm going to say when because it's not if. In my opinion, it's not if. If it were to have happened, it would have happened already. If D'Angelo plays, let's say, I put him 70 games played. It all it really all depends with Pesci. With the sample size that we have right now, I'd say bump his goals to 13 and bump his assists to 38. So I'm going to also go off the assumption that Brett Pesci is not going to be on the roster and that Tony D'Angelo is going to play second pair. I'm going off the assumption that Tony D'Angelo is going to run the second power play unit. And I think his goal total goes up from last year. I'm going to say 18 goals Mm. and 33 assists for Tony D'Angelo. That's a little bold, but I think it's possible. And I think Tony D'Angelo, this is another bold statement. I think Tony D'Angelo will be running the first power play unit before the season's over. I I can see that. I can see that. I definitely can see that. It's just going to be such a great thing to witness this defense throughout this year. It's, um, you know, I'm kind of lost for words on it. It's just, you know, like you said, this is the kind of defensive group you put together on a Xbox game. Right. It's just it's going to be exciting to watch. I'm super excited. Uh, I hope they all play to the top of their ability. You know, if they do, if they stay together, if, you know, barring any crazy injuries, you know, this this is the kind of defense. You know, you always hear the saying defense wins championships. This is the kind of defense that can take you all the way. uh, You know, even if you have a mediocre forward group which I'm not saying we do or don't. I'm just saying, even if you did, this is the kind of defense backstopped by a solid goaltending trio, we could say. You know, they could take us all the way. This could this could definitely be the, the defensive group to take us all the way. So, Next session, we will be covering the goaltenders, Anderson, Ranta, Kochekov, and much more. Thank you so much for listening. I may be. That's Griff. We'll see you in the next session.